If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast... <laughs> well, hang on, hang on, hang on, honey, you're jumping the gun, you're wait, jumping what? the gun. Because the first thing I need to do is, part of our our Just listener wait. base... Um, <laughs> That's going to be amazing, guys. Uh, ...is our Patreon community. Um, is there anybody here who is a Patreon member? Our Patros! Yay! Yeah, Patros! Yeah, so, so our Patros, as we started calling them, <laughs> um, are people who, are, who support us on Patreon, so they financially every single month um, give us a little bit of money out of the goodness of their hearts mm-hmm. in order for us to be able to keep making this podcast in order for us to be able to go on tour in order for us to be able to be here tonight talking to you guys so thank mm-hmm. you so much to our patrons and buying a bunch of booze for you so hopefully yeah. <laughs> you were able Please to get enjoy. that uh, yes can no, I, it, now is it, it time yeah, yes yes on this episode of the multi-amory <laughs> podcast we are talking about ethical unicorn hunting <laughs> I had to bring it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so, for those of you who don't know, the term uh, unicorn hunting has to do with a couple, generally a heterosexual couple, actually, I think always a heterosexual couple, yeah. who are seeking a female bisexual who's equally attracted to both of them and doesn't want to date anybody else. Uh-huh. And sometimes uh, <laughs> may also want to help clean the house, may want to live with a couple, may want to help with child rearing, but will disappear if any like family members come by mm-hmm. or coworkers come by conveniently. So this is... Well, so hence the term unicorn, unicorn, because a person who wants that is very, very difficult to find, mm-hmm. right. as it turns out. They're called unicorns because maybe they don't exist or they're incredibly mm-hmm. rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did want to clarify something for the purposes of this of this episode here, and that is the difference between a couple seeking a unicorn and a triad. So a triad is three people who are all in a relationship with each other, mm-hmm. whereas a unicorn situation is where one person uh, is dating not two people, but dating sort of the idea of them as a couple. It's, uh, it's a little more amorphous. It's a little more of the yeah. amorphous thing and inherently has some problematic power dynamics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we're going to get to in this episode, because it's something that we generally speak pretty negatively about, yeah. uh, is the idea of unicorn hunting. Yeah, unicorn. The term unicorn hunters is used in the pejorative, usually in the poly community. It's, it's not right. a friendly term. For people who kind of don't quite get how to treat people respectfully and ethically. And we have tended to bash it a bit on the show. Right. But we kind of wanted to not do that tonight and talk about how we can do it ethically. How you can ethically source your unicorn. Yes. <laughs> free because range. You have free range free organic free range unicorns. unicorns. I'm sorry, we did. Yeah, yeah, we just we've came been from. Berkeley, like, we've got the lingo down. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, right. So, so anyway, so just so you understand sort of the, the differentiation there, when we talk about unicorn hunting, we, we do mean it a little bit to mean that uh, kind of more negative way that people go about it. And this episode is about as a couple, it's perfectly fine and can be perfectly ethical to look for a third person to date. Uh, but there are ways to do it that kind of dehumanize them a little bit, uh, such as unicorn hunting. Uh, and there are ways to do it that really lifts up all of you and does honor everyone's independence and the, uh, I want to say sovereignty of each relationship, but that's Forget really Forget the state's weird. rights here. Yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> yes. And, and the reason why this is so relevant is that for a lot of people, um, you know, the idea of hopping into a non-traditional or a non-monogamous relationship, like cold turkey, is very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people come to this lifestyle already coupled, you know, already part of a monogamous or monogamish couple. And so 
you know, unicorn hunters abound because of the fact that this is, you know, to a lot of people, it feels safer. Like I already have my primary partner with me and we have a history and we trust each other. And so this will be a journey that we take together. You know, we'll date the same person at the same, t- same time. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and often it's an entry point into polyamory. Yeah, for a lot of people, it is their first entry point into polyamory. Uh, and I also did just want to throw out a fun term for those of you who hadn't heard it yet, that the male version of this, because they do exist, uh, is called a Pegasus. That's not official. We just coined that, but we well, really wanted actually, to catch Cooper, actually Cooper Beckett coined, coined that. Oh, yeah. And he told us, and we were like, that's great. No, I thought... Uh, and but, then but, we but, no, but Cooper, stole it. No, Cooper was referring to a Pegasus was a man who liked to get pegged. But he referred to it... <laughs> like, that was a But he was referring to it specifically as one who would be with a couple. And also like to get pegged. Yeah, so he wants to get... Yeah. Okay, all right, I got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. That's why the name there is called. Okay. Right? Okay. Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're claiming that name and making it work for, um, for anything like that. But yeah. kind of the second part of this is not only does it feel very safe for a lot of couples, um, the reason why it's usually a woman, as opposed to a pegasus, mm-hmm. uh, is because for some reason we see women as being safer. Um, we see, especially, you know, female bisexuality as being much safer than male bisexuality. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you know, human beings come in every color of the rainbow as far as sexuality and gender expression is concerned. But the predominant thing that we see heterosexual couples doing is seeking a woman and no man, but just a bisexual woman. The hot bi babe. The hot bi babe effect is what it's called. Uh, And what what we're not going to cover so much in this episode uh, is something you'll have to go to our other episodes to hear about. Uh, but is some of those inherent cultural assumptions that we have that relationships with men are more serious, whether it's gay men or whether it's um, a woman with a man or whatever, there is kind of this cultural thing that we're taught that those somehow are more threatening, that they're, they're scarier. We, yeah. we were talking with... Um, a woman in Portland, I think, or Oakland, I don't even know, in Oakland, who was talking about that dynamic where her and her long-term girlfriend, she'd met other girls that she dated, but to meet her first male partner was a lot more threatening. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there is something there, that there's something culturally, this importance that we put on men's relationships. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, real quick, like uh, a bisexual woman, it's like, oh, yeah, she's she's straight. Like, we call Angelina Jolie straight, right? (laughs) The newspapers call her straight. Even though she said very plainly, I date both men and women. And we go, she's straight, but she just has girlish fun. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we have a guy, like, say, Channing Tatum, uh, well, maybe that's a bad example. I just always think of Channing Tatum. I, I never think of Channing Tatum. I just, wish you wouldn't think of Channing stop, Tatum. Just stop, just stop. He's, he's beautiful. Uh, he is a very attractive human. Just, no, no, I don't. I don't. But we, sorry, but we take a, a bisexual man. We hear that a man is bisexual, and, and the cultural narrative is like, oh, he's gay and hasn't quite gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, He's gay and still wants straight privilege, often is the narrative around it. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, so anyway, there's kind of those dynamics. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that a lot more in some other episodes. But I just wanted to get that out there and kind of clarify. There are some real gender dynamics at play here in the way that our culture looks at sexuality and, and gender. Yeah. Um, but first, we wanted to pose a question for the audience. And that is going to be, what are some motivations or reasons for a couple to seek a third. Yeah. Why would anybody want a unicorn? Yeah. Sounds fun. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> Sounds okay. fun. Oh. Says the person who's dying in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, can you clarify more? What, what's... Yeah, what, what makes it sound fun? I don't know. It's like a playmate. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's like a sexual, yeah. It's like yeah. a group sex thing. Okay, yeah. you want to have a threesome. Yeah. What else? Free Free Yeah. Yes. Why the heck not? Intimacy. I mean, you know, to be in love with somebody who's also in love with somebody that you're in love and you can all be together. I mean, that's... Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. That's, I mean, and obviously that's also an appeal of triad relationships right. in general. Triad. Yeah, and yeah. the idea that it's kind of like you get this exponential increase in intimacy. Mm-hmm. Also mm-hmm. problems sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, too. I see. Hans, just shout sure. it out. Yeah. It. yeah, just shout it out. As an antidote, you know, if their relationship needs a little something to kind of spice it up and sure. if you're having a problem or an issue... Maybe that would be like a, a resolution to it. Yeah, bring a woman into the bedroom yeah. to yeah, kind right. of make things oh, okay. exciting again. I thought of a good one that's actually mentioned in the book, which is uh, diff- different sexual proclivities. So, for example, if you uh, my book, uh, yes, your book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Your bug. laughs> 
That's awesome. It's a good bug. One of the good things about it is that you have certain proclivities, like your significant other only likes vanilla bean sex, but you prefer to have sort of BDSM aspects. You sort of get that out on the third individual. And yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely. The fun uh, of the hunt. The somebody the to hunt. Uh, interrupt your arguments and <laughs> play three. <laughs> that, that was kind of like the function that our roadie Paul had on this entire tour. Paul's like our third. That's our right. fourth. Our fourth. Fourth. Our fourth. Divorce child, like anything else before we move on? I was thinking like a safe introductory into non-monogamy. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Historical precedents for it. Yes. So it makes it more comfortable and accessible. Yeah, there's there's a lot of historical precedents for it, for sure. Yeah. To have a secret between the two of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not going to tell anyone about this third, but yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's our little kept person. That is, like, no, that, that does play into the, like, kind of bringing something spicy back into the bedroom. Absolutely. You know, something that's still a little bit taboo or a little bit kind of, you know, beyond the pale, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason why we wanted to ask these questions is because if you are in a couple and you're thinking about, you know, adding a third or finding someone to date together, it is really important to clarify why. Mm. What, why is it that you're looking for this? Mm-hmm. And depending on your answer, if you're really honest with yourselves, depending on your answer, adding a, a, a unicorn or having a triad might not actually be what's going to serve that the best. Yeah, so something um, that I did explore in my book. Um, <laughs> As a published author. As a published I, author. I, um, <laughs> I need my glasses. Oh my God. As a published author. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I, I kind of, what I see, what I've seen among the people that I know in my own circle, what I've seen with my clients is that sometimes people realize what it is that they want, but they, they kind of seek the right thing through the wrong channels. And what I mean by that is maybe somebody wants that like increased like triad intimacy. Like they want to be able to have intimacy with multiple partners, maybe sharing that partner with another partner. Um, and they really are interested, like maybe in the sexual aspect, but, but kind of in this ongoing developing intimacy, intimacy developing a connection mm-hmm. with this third person together. Um, and maybe they seek the only way they know how to seek that is to like get into the swinger scene where these things are okay, like go to a sex party, um, right. which there's no, obviously nothing wrong with swingers parties or sex parties, but you know that person may come away kind of feeling like a piece of meat a little mm. bit. Versus on the other side, if someone's really interested in like you know what I kind of am just curious to explore group sex or threesomes or have a regular threesome partner, but maybe they choose to explore that um, through getting into a triad relationship with a third. And they're not expecting having to actually take care of this person's emotions and actually care for this person when they were just expecting it to be a sexual thing. And so obviously people can walk away from that situation getting very hurt. So, you know, we ask these questions because it is really important to clarify, like, what actually is it that I'm seeking or that we are seeking in bringing a third person into our relationship? Right. And so, like, for example, we wanted to clarify the difference between, you know, say you do want to have an ongoing threesome dynamic. That there is one way that can look, which is... To clarify, like, threesome as in, like, group like sex. I, I do mean a sexual threesome, okay, but okay. I mean a sexual threesome that also has this emotional component. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe they would eventually live with you, or, you know, obviously, don't don't rush into that. Uh, <laughs> but with, with anybody, don't rush into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right, but there's, um, you know, where you want to ha- build this relationship. Like, you have this kind of idea of starting this three-person ongoing romantic relationship. And then on the other hand, there's having an ongoing threesome dynamic that's just sexual. That's like, hey, we want to have threesomes, but rather than like always just trying to like pick people up or going to, to sex parties or whatever, we would like to have someone who's a consistent partner, but that is just for sex. And that getting clear on that, um, you know, amongst the other examples that Dedeker was talking about, getting really clear on that will help you to be more honest and more upfront with the people that you're talking to about this. Because there are people out there who are like, yeah, occasional threesomes with this couple that I don't have to do any emotional management for. (laughs) That sounds pretty awesome. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Right? And then there are other people who are like, no, like I'm actually looking for more of an established emotional thing. But either one of those, there are people looking for that. And the clearer you can get 
as to what you're looking for uh, will help you find it. And also, like Dedeker was saying, if it is, maybe you just want to experiment with group sex, go to a, a play party, go to a dungeon, go to a swingers party, like try those things. Don't necessarily like rope someone into dating the two of you if really all you want is just to kind of do some sex play. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so we're going to throw another question out there. Yeah. Why would a person want to date a couple? Like, what motivation would the unicorn have for dating dating a couple? Two people. Yeah. Establish love that you can hook right into and get Uh emotional. Just like like a USB port. You're just like, yeah, there you go. (laughs) There's a relationship now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Not in a position to have your own standalone relationship, having some sort of companionship you can tap into. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, That's a a common one of, of, you know, maybe someone who doesn't necessarily want to start a romantic relationship of their own, um, or maybe doesn't have the energy or time for that, uh, Mm -hmm. that they can just kind of hook into that. Yeah. What else? Go for it. Just do it. Shout it. Shout it. Whoever shouts the loudest. Shout it out. Could be the uh, center of attention, I guess. Uh huh. Uh, yeah. 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 You're more than one person that's yeah. 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 to you. For yeah, sure. some people like the idea, like, I'm the new shiny mm-hmm. toy. Yeah. 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 Some people hate that, but some people also love that. Yeah. You could be curious about the couple's dynamic. Maybe, you know, you've never been married and they are married. Mm-hmm. You want insight into that. Yeah. Sexual espionage. Yeah. <laughs> Sexual espionage. I like love that. that. Yeah. It's polyamory is for yourself. Yeah, exactly. That is also another access point for a lot of people is yeah. like, well, I'm dating this couple and that's, you know, their first time they're ever exposed to any kind of non-monogamous relationship. What else? Mm-hmm. There might be a perceived less emotional baggage. Like They don't have to deal with one of them having any kind of jealousy or something. They, they get to deal with each other's emotional mm-hmm. baggage. Mm-hmm. So you just get the sex component without having to deal with the relationship. It would be nice if it worked out that way. In a perfect world, <laughs> that is how it would go. I'm just <laughs> renting. I'm not owning it. <laughs> 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 um, for some people, um, I think both on the couple side and on the on the unicorn side, sometimes this is just a wonderful safe space to explore bisexuality. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you're feeling too intimidated to pursue someone of the same sex on your own um, or if you feel that that's inaccessible to you on both sides it can be kind of like, like well maybe if we do this together that's a good way for me to explore that both with with female bisexual uh, bisexuality and male, and male. bisexuality mm-hmm. as well. yeah. right that it's like you can say like oh well I can see what it's like to play with this gender that I haven't before whether that's male or female but I still kind of have this thing I know gets me off, right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, here's the safe space for me to play with this and kind of Yeah, which some experiment. people tr- interpret as like a good way of like taking care of yourself and knowing your needs and mm-hmm. creating a safe space. And some people say, that's chicken shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and you're a coward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're attached to both people. Like you're, you've been friends with the couple mm-hmm. for a long mm-hmm. time and... Mm-hmm. One night, I don't know, something happens, and <laughs> then all of a sudden we're making out on the couch, and you know, it gets exciting, and that's a nice way kind of to enter into a relationship like that. <laughs> Sounds pretty uh-huh. fun to me. <laughs> Another one I wanted to throw out there is just because you're open to a new experience, and this couple approached you. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people maybe get into this the first time that way where they meet this couple, it's like, oh yeah, we have this open relationship or we're polyamorous or or even not, whatever it is. Uh, and they say, hey, and we think you're cute. Like, what do you think? Uh, and <laughs> it is kind of that, just like, well, sure. <laughs> Why not? That sounds fun. <laughs> uh, you know, which could then end up being their gateway into polyamory. Mm-hmm. Or could the be the gateway drug, is <laughs> right? Exactly. Or, or could be the thing that makes them go, "This is fucked up. I'm never going to try yeah. this again." Yeah. Right. All of those are possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, now getting clear on on that side of it, on like what is that third person's motivation for being in this relationship, is also really helpful to clarify. Because, like we were saying, what if their whole purpose is that I want to have a relationship where. I don't have to do any emotional maintenance, right? Yeah. I can show up and get adored by this couple that's already solid and established, and then I can leave. <laughs> and what if the couple is looking for, we really want someone to like nest with and build a house with mm. and maybe raise our kids with or something like that? You can see how that could be a problem. And the reason why this is a problem, <laughs> in my humble opinion, is because we don't talk about it. 
we're not explicit about what it is that we want. Mm-hmm. Usually because we're not even clear with ourselves, but even if we are, uh, there's kind of this hesitation to communicating about it yeah. because there's this fear of a value judgment. Mm-hmm. There's this fear that if I say like, you know, I'm kind of only looking for sex from you guys, that that makes you slutty, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or that that somehow is a bad answer. Mm-hmm. Um you know, same thing on the part of the couple, or maybe if the third is like, I really do want this emotional relationship with the two of you and kind of want to get to be part of this solid established love that the two of you have from your 10 years of marriage or whatever, maybe is freaked out of like, whoa, that sounds super forward (laughs) to to say that. Well, it's so interesting because if you look at most traditional advice about threesome specifically, because in the mainstream, we're not really talking about triads, not yet. Um, Uh, that most of the advice specifically around threesomes is just about like, okay, here's how to pull off a threesome and here's how to get them out of your house as fast as possible and minimize the damage to your relationship and here's how to do damage control afterwards. Um, We don't yet have a big overarching narrative in the mainstream about, no, this could be a good thing, this could be a healthy thing, whether it is just a one-night stand or an ongoing thing. And so we're not used to talking about that. We're not used to actually having those kind of really direct conversations about what it is that we're looking for when it comes to this three-person dynamic. Mm -hmm. But there was a really good article out there recently in Together magazine, um, and it was titled... I am the unicorn couple search for. I'd rather date a stable, happy couple than a series of Tinder fuckboys. And I am not alone. Um, Which I kind of loved because, again, we even on this show don't often talk about the good reasons for entering into a relationship like this. And I I really appreciated this. This woman interviewed a ton of different people who had been in relationships with couples and one of the very big reasons why i thought wow okay this is a good reason to get into a relationship like this was people who had been through abuse in past relationships Mm -hmm. maybe they had just been through a divorce and they decided to go and enter into a couple and it was a nice like gateway back into being an into an established good relationship Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit less intimidating than being like, okay, I'm going to try to date again and maybe find another person that is going to abuse me more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a nice way, I think, to enter back into that. And also, I mean, as a society, we're set up to say, okay, dating is fine. You may go to a bar and you may pick someone up and then you may go home with them. And that's totally cool. And she did interview a lot of people whose friends were very not okay with them going home with a couple. Mm-hmm. And it's this very odd I, I double standard I, I kind really, of. I really want to read this quote yeah, from Yeah, please. Article. It's a great uh, quote. She says, if you think unicorning is fucked up, consider the alternatives available to young women seeking to explore their sexuality. Yeah. Drunken hookups, fuckboys, Machiavellian Tinder dates, and creepy older guys leveraging their money for pseudo-escort situations. Um, obviously, that's a pretty bleak yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. look at what dating however. is like. Um, however, she does make a valid point yeah. of that, especially if you're kind of in the in-between space, in-between really serious relationships, maybe if you're still healing from a breakup or something like that. Mm-hmm. That that could be a really good, potentially therapeutic experience. Yeah. Again, to kind of be able to be involved in this good, established relationship and, and kind of enjoy that. We've talked a lot Provided about... Provided a couple doesn't fuck it up, which they usually do. Well, exactly. But if they don't... I mean, that's the thing. We don't often... We've talked about on this show before how we don't have a lot of like great people out there in yeah we're just role models that are great polyamorous role models and if a third is entering to an into a relationship with a great polyamorous role model that can be a great gateway into polyamory Mm -hmm. for them i don't see anything wrong with that so but that's a great point is that if if they are into a relationship with a great poly role model sure uh and a big i would but bet Slash no, that in this audience right now, there are some people who have dated a couple that have been a not so good example of what it's like to date a couple. Sure. Um, and I guess what we kind of want to get to in this episode is really talking about how you can be that great couple, mm-hmm. how you can be that couple that is the amazing example of how this can work. And even if that relationship with that third doesn't last, that it's still something that was done ethically and with a lot of respect for everybody that's involved. Uh, That's kind of the key 
part of our title, ethical mm-hmm. unicorn yes, hunting. Yeah. So, you know, when I, I have a lot of clients who come to me, like, as I said, this is usually a very safe way. You know, it's like the safest first step for couples to open up their relationship. And so I do have a lot of married couples or couples have been together a long time that come to me and ask about, well, you know, we want to add a third to our relationship. How do we even do that? Are we ready for that? Is that a terrible idea? Is that a good idea? And um, there's a litmus test that I give people and they really don't like it. <laughs> Generally, so what I tell people is like, okay, so let's let's imagine you have your third in mind. Usually, they have someone already picked out in mind. You know, you it's have like your, a friend of theirs. Yeah, you your hot yeah, guy, okay. babe, that you're both attracted to, that you're ready to go after, and you want, and you know that you don't want this necessarily to just be a sex thing. You want to actually be in a triad relationship with this person. As I tell them, like, okay, so picture in your mind's eye, can you picture your partner going out on a date? with this woman alone, like without you. Can you imagine your partner having sex with this woman alone, without you, like you're not involved? You know, and maybe can you picture yourself alone having sex with this woman or going on a date with this woman? And if the thought of that makes you want to puke all over everything, <laughs> you may not be ready to add a third to your relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's kind of this this fallacy that people assume, well, if we're a couple together and if we're dating the same person at the same time, that means no jealousy, right? That means, and, you know, as long as we're both there, as long as there's no sex happening or no dating happening, you know, unless we're both there, then everything will be great. Um, Which unfortunately is not the reality. Um, The reality is even if you try to make it so that, okay, we only have sex with this person together, we only go on dates with this person together, it's still 100% possible to get really, really jealous. Um, Because jealousy is an emotion. It's not necessarily logical, you know? And so while it may, you know, work out on paper, um, very logically and neatly and rationally, unfortunately, human emotions don't quite work that way. Because if feelings were logical, we would call them thinkings. (laughs) Thank you, Jace. Or, you So that is, you know, that is a very important litmus test. And especially if you are in a couple and you are thinking about dating a third person, I think that's a very important question to ask. Mm-hmm. And if you, know, if you think of that and it still makes it feel a little weird, it doesn't mean all hope is lost. It doesn't mean there's no way you can pull this off. But it may be you know, time to just examine some things. Examine like what would need to happen in order, in order for that to be okay. In order for this unicorn to be able to have autonomous, independent relationships with both of us. And a good relationship with all the all three of us similar. together. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to to talk about, you know, we talked about clarifying why it is that you're entering, like wh- why it is that this couple is looking for a third and also why that third is looking for the couple. And it is fair to say, like, maybe we're flexible about that. Maybe we don't just have one goal in mind. Like, we're open to an ongoing emotional relationship or we're open to something that is just sexual or maybe we're open to even not having a sexual relationship with them and just kind of inviting them into our life to, to, to kind of build that emotional intimacy or to even even like very explicitly be those poly role models. Like maybe mm-hmm. it is someone who just wants to see that. And all those things are okay. And if you are flexible about it, though, it can be tempting to be like, well, we're cool with whatever. Mm-hmm. So we'll just let it play out how it does. But I do want to stress how important it is to understand what it is they're looking for. Uh, And to make that communication clear, because if it is, it'll help them to to be able to actually seek what it is that they want from this relationship. Right. Like maybe they maybe they haven't totally figured that out. And if you are the established couple, you are the ones with the power here in this dynamic. So by you coming to them and saying, hey, look, what is it that you want? And maybe even repeatedly asking that, getting really clear on that can help them and also will help you to be able to give them what they want, which is then going to make the relationship more rewarding for you. Kind of everybody is happier if you're not only asking for what you want, but also making a safe space for them to get clear on what they want. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, Jace mentioned the fact that there is this automatic power dynamic set up when there is someone who comes to date a couple, when there is a couple seeking a third. Um, uh, we kind of compare it to shapes as a thing. It's like, so if you think about a triad, like a triad relationship is a relationship between three people. It's a triangle. But the thing is that when there's a unicorn hunting situation is that usually the way it's treated is more like a T. Is that there's the, the established couple who's dating, yeah. Yeah, who's dating this third person. Um, 
and it God, it really gets my goat, but people gets my goat. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so I'm so sorry. <laughs> It does, though. Um, you guys are mean to each other sometimes. Because <laughs> we love each other. I know. So much. Um, yeah. uh, is because, uh, I mean, it leads to this dynamic where couples will refer to their to someone as like, oh, this is our third. Yeah. Mm. This is our girlfriend. It's a language and, like, it's, thing. I know. It's a, very, it's a very small, nitpicky language thing. But language, um, Jace wrote down here, language is magic. Um, it's true. Language is everything. <laughs> like, language is powerful. And so to put it in those terms of like oh this is our girlfriend this is our third it always just like makes my skin crawl because yeah. it is this weird like ownership thing yeah um, mm-hmm. and they are their old, own person within the relationship yeah you know and so and i know should be like, treated I, I, as such i try to think about alternatives you know i know yeah. in triad relationships that i've been that weren't necessarily unicorn situations but it would be like oh this is so-and-so who's my boyfriend and he's also my boyfriend's boyfriend um <laughs> as opposed to this is our boyfriend like it just like it yeah. creeps me out a little bit less that way. Yeah, I mean, I've I've also found that I kind of even without intentionally thinking about it, have gravitated towards saying, "Oh, like this is so and so that me and Rachel are dating." Mm-hmm. I just made up a new girlfriend named That's Rachel. Cool. That's great. <laughs> the fuck's Rachel? <laughs> right, but like, hey, this is a girl that we're both dating. Mm-hmm. It's still like simple and compact and easy to explain, especially if the person you're talking to already knows who Rachel is, mm-hmm. unlike everybody here. <laughs> right, that this is someone we're both dating, as opposed to being our girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this goes back to that idea of of a unicorn versus a triad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we, didn't, we haven't talked about shapes yet, right? We, no, did, we, we just did, talked did, about uh, shapes. Where were you? Were you I was, with Rachel? Were you with Rachel? Was <laughs> <laughs> happening? He was thinking about Rachel. I was. Jeez. Yeah, no, I was, I was reminiscing about... Okay. Um, <laughs> All right, the princess puppy. The yes. man in the high tower. Yes, or the something lady. like that. Yeah. Um, so again, with this, you know, when you refer to someone as like our girlfriend, our third... Um, I think when we start to talk about these things, uh, you know, talking about the ways that you can be a good couple, the ways that you can really honor a unicorn's autonomy and independence and, uh, you know, being an individual, mm-hmm. that couples can get really defensive and be like, well, we're, like, we're going to treat our unicorn well. Like, we're not going to be mean to her. We're not going to abuse her. We're like, not going to kick her puppy. You know, it, like, yeah. you know? <laughs> but that's the thing is, is that you can treat someone very, very well, um, but still rob them of their autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it the princess slash puppy effect. Like you can, like a princess, you can keep a princess, you can put her up on this pedestal and talk about how beautiful and how wonderful she is, but still lock her up in a tower and not let her get to make any decisions. Or like having a puppy, you know, you can love the puppy, you can train the puppy, you can cuddle the puppy, you can enjoy so much of what the puppy brings to your life, but the puppy doesn't get to make any decisions in your relationship usually. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, couples often confuse being nice to a unicorn with actually like respecting the unicorn and that's something that's like it's very it's very important to kind of cut through that misunderstanding i think yeah Mm -hmm. definitely and and so that's really for a long time now we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories things like that it's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection and now not only do we have a fantastic offer but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code multi 
to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping code M-U-L-T-I. How do I, how do I even say this? Like, that's really what, what we're getting to here with the ethical part is making, clarifying that difference between mm-hmm. what does it mean to be nice to someone versus treat them as an individual. Uh, something that we've talked about before on this show about triads is the idea that a triad is not one relationship. Because I know some people, like when you're in polyamory, you think, God, I have, like, it takes so much time to date all these people. Ooh, aha, what if? <laughs> what <laughs> I if? two people at the same time. I dated time. two people who were also dating each other, yeah. so then we're just a triad and it's only one, and I only have to do one relationship worth of work <laughs> <laughs> to be able to date two gonna people. You're add so many more to your life. <laughs> right? Because then we all have dates together, and mm-hmm. that saves my time, right? That's going to be <laughs> my great. money, yeah. <laughs> but something we've talked about a lot on this show is the idea that a triad is actually four relationships. That there's the relationship between each of those three people, so each side of the triangle. Mm-hmm. You got it. And then there's, <laughs> and then there's also this three-person relationship that is the three of you, and that all three of those are changing all the time, and all three of those require maintenance and require attention, require you to pay attention to them, right? That I can't only pay attention to this group and ignore the fact that I have a relationship with this person and with this other person, right? And the reason that we're all able to come up here and talk to you guys about this tonight is because we've all made a lot of fuck-ups exploring this. It's time for some truth here. So, um, yeah, a long time ago in a city known as Van Nuys, I caught a unicorn. I'm, I'm an amazing unicorn hunter, which is, which is interesting because I'm vegan, so I don't really hunt things. Um, but I caught a unicorn with Jace. Help, yeah, mm-hmm. you, we both did that, yeah. and then and then one with with Josh, and it was the same one. Well, I, I had the, the same, same unicorn twice. Yes, I had the same relationship, or well, a different relationship, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, with a lovely girl named Hallie, and it was interesting because the common denominator besides her and all of those relationships was me. So I realized, kind of at the end and the eventual end of both of these, maybe I am doing something a little wrong here. Um, And looking back at it, I realized, I think that the reason for getting into those relationships with Jace and then Josh was because I did have this idea of self-preservation in my mind that, oh, it's just going to be easy and we'll love the same person or have fun and play with the same person. And therefore, the kind of emotional work won't have to be there as much. Um, And in both times, it sort of ended very badly and unfortunately... That was that. Mm-hmm. But at, in, at the end of the day, I definitely had to think about, like, what was my part in all of that? And how could I have done it better? The unicorn was released back into the wild. Yes. Safely. We didn't kill her. Yeah. No, we didn't yeah. hunt her. <laughs> yeah, she was released back in the wild. Uh, nice girl, but... I mean, so what, what were some of those things that, that in looking back, you've thought, oh, man, I could have done... I think there was this idea from all of us that, well, the couple comes first and everything else just kind of, I don't know, it's free for all. Um, But it seemed as though we kind of all had that in mind. And so it did become this sort of relationship just with the couple and that was it and not sort of these different relationships. Yeah, it was sort of a T-shape, I think, each time. And I wonder if... If they had known that they could have a relationship with each of us, if that would have made a difference, and maybe they would have stuck around longer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What else? I I guess I will share a personal experience of mine, being that actually of the three of us, Mm -hmm. I am the only mythical horse in in this group. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, gender norms. Yeah, take that. I know. No, yeah, you get the hat now. Hold on. It was a lie. (laughs) The unicorn was a lie. Oh yeah. Uh, Yeah. Is it just? Yeah. Super sexy right now. Uh I'm pulling it off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right. So. So there is a, I'm dating a couple, Uh, and actually, of the three of us, I'm the only one who has dated an established couple like that. Uh, Like you've been a Pegasus. Yes. We have not been unicorns. No. Right. Right. I'm the only mythical horse in the bunch. Um, And (laughs) should I? It's too distracting. I think think you're done now. You're done. Uh, Right. But so the the thing I've found about that experience, which is you know only something in the past maybe six months or so for me, is 
it's given me some insights into why that relationship can be really good and also why it can be freaky as hell. Mm-hmm. Like, it can be terrifying. Um, so, first of all, I want to share some of the positives first. Yeah. We'll go positives first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that is having this having that established relationship, right? That I can hang out with them. We can have a date night of watching Battlestar Galactica. Yes. And having a cheese plate. And no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right, we can have this this great time. uh, And, you know, and can have sex. And it's awesome. I get to experiment with that. It's cool. And then I also get to leave. Or I can spend the night and then leave. But it's that it's kind of their relationship. Like, a lot of the sort of day-to-day work of being there for each other and all of that, they already have. They're already doing that. You've got to take care of Rachel. (laughs) You got your hands full. Rachel is a handful. So, (laughs) right? So, being able to date this couple is nice because I get to come in and, and enjoy that. And also, yeah, like, there's something nice about... Being the the shiny toy that gets to show up, and both of the people are like, "Hey, handsome! Like, oh, so good to see you. Let's make you food. Let's put on some movies. What do you want to do? Right? Like, that's it's nice. It's nice to be to be treated that way. Um, but then on the bad side of it, uh, the first time actually that I spent the night with them, one of them. The the guy was really frustrated with like a work thing that was going on, and and in the middle of it had to go take this work call and was really frustrated about it, and came back and was just really upset. And it was his his sort of upsetness and like I don't know feeling of like missing out on stuff that that had been going on while he had to go take this phone call was you know he was pretty upset about that, and so his his partner was rushing in to like try to make him feel better help with that and I was kind of doing my best and I found myself kind of freaking out about being like oh god like I'm the source of this problem in this existing relationship and they're going to have this fight and it's my fault because I'm the new factor here because I don't I don't know what their relationship is maybe this is normal I don't know but I in that situation, I actually was honest with them and was just like, hey, uh, like, I'm feeling real weird right now. Like, I, I kind of want to go. And the other part of me just wants to, like, curl up in a ball and cry. Uh, and, and I explained, you know, like, I feel like I'm causing a fight with you guys. Like, I, and I feel this is bringing up a lot of stuff for me from my past relationships, and I'm, and I'm worried about that. And they were just... They instantly were like, "Oh, that's you know, that's okay. Like, if you want to cry, that's that's fine." I was like, "I don't know. I don't. I don't really want to." And like, <laughs> <laughs> like I really just wanted this cheese plate. And, right. <laughs> and like, and then both of them at the same time came over and like hugged me and held me. And then I was just like, <laughs> 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 like just this, like, oh my god, like having these, having these, like being able to be honest with them, and having them come to me with like, no, 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 like please don't, don't worry about that. We both care about you. Was kind of this overwhelming, overwhelmingly positive experience of having two people be like, hey, it's okay, we're here for you. You can get this out. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and things were were great after that. You know that we were able to actually have a real honest communication about it. But I do feel like if I'd gone into this situation without having thought about and talked about this kind of stuff with the two of you a lot for the, the two years before that, <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have tried to like stick it out and then been like that was horrible I'm never doing that again or if I would have just left and and been angry about it or felt like mm. I had fucked up or yeah. something I don't know well that is this that interesting internalized thing because like usually the reason why there's a lot of unicorn stories that end in tears, tears. <laughs> um <laughs> is that often that is the default is that the problems get blamed on the unicorn mm-hmm. and you know you're it's easiest to just kind of cut the third person out because that'll make things easier for the couple. You know, maybe we won't have to fight about things. Maybe we won't have to negotiate things around this third person. Um, It's easy to forget that they are a person. Yeah. 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 But I think even on the unicorn side, they have that coming into it of, of realizing that there is this established couple and like, Mm -hmm. I'm the newbie here. Mm -hmm. And so if something goes wrong, like I'm probably going to be the first one to be out of there. Right. That they had never put that on me, Mm -hmm. but that's where my head went. Yeah. Right. And that's, 
an important thing to be aware of, too, that I would bet, just because of the way we understand relationships culturally, that any unicorn coming in isn't going to assume that you know that it is going to be equal like that like that mm-hmm. re- that the couple would take responsibility for their own issues with each other they're going to think oh god if this goes bad i'm getting blamed for it yeah. or even worse if this goes bad it is my fault yeah. i think that's definitely the thought that i was having in that moment mm-hmm. and i bet a lot of people would in a yeah. similar situation yeah. as yeah. that unicorn yeah. yeah did you want to talk about your triads I guess I can. I, I honestly, honestly, I thought that we were going to be fighting this entire episode because <laughs> it's happened before. <laughs> because, like, when it comes to unicorn hunting and like couples dating someone together, um, it's never something that I've done. I've been in triad relationships, but I've never, I've never been a unicorn, and I've also never been a unicorn hunter. And to be honest, I feel like um, as you start to cut away kind of the unethical practices and mm-hmm. start to really narrow down, like this is a way to be a good, respectful, healthy um, person or couple in inviting this person in, it, it, like a lot of people are like, well, I'm out. You know, like a, right. a lot of traditional people, who, like p- people who are unicorn hunters are like, well, that's too much. That's too big of an ask. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why sometimes I feel like, is this even possible? Obviously, through us talking about it, I, you know, kind of came around to that. Um, it's good. Because, I mean, triad, like triads are great. Like yeah. I've, I've been in triads, but all my triads have started where it's like I date someone and then they're dating someone. And then maybe I happen to date that other person too. Like I happen to start dating my metamor or like two of my partners, this like, one? like these guys <laughs> that happened in ancient history. Um, mm-hmm. or, you know, that I was dating Jace and then I was dating this other guy. And then mm-hmm. they, the two of them happened to start dating that. It just was kind of like these things just happened. Um, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, you know, when a, when a relatively traditional heterosexual couple comes to you and is like, Hey, we want to have a triad that just telling them, well, just like let things happen and just be open to it and don't try to force it. That, that advice is not, um, it's not taken very well. Cause people usually want to be like, I want to know the steps to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Um, as opposed to kind of letting these kind of relationships form more organically. Well, and I think this is the heart of the disagreement here. Mm -hmm. Ready for a fight? Okay. <laughs> go, go, go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Oh, well, right. So basically, this is where the disagreement comes in, in that, like Dedeker was saying, if if she were attracted to both halves of a couple, that her approach would be like, well, maybe let's see, like, I might date you and I might date you, and let's kind of see if maybe three of us end up together. Whereas, yeah, like, I want to explore the individual relationships mm-hmm. first sure. before being like, okay, maybe we can try this all three right. together. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I feel like Emily would be more on my side of this one, but I, I think that that can be great. And like, yeah, exactly. In the examples that that were just given, with when the three of us were a triad, it, it did come about that way. Mm-hmm. Sure. And when uh, Dedeker and her other partner and I were a triad, same thing. It happened that way. We started the other relationships first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think that it is absolutely possible to start a relationship with, like, here's all three of us first. I will say that the important part that I think we're kind of getting at that does get lost is the idea that we may start kind of as a couple dating this person or bringing them in or it's the three of us. But with the understanding that it's going to change each of those relationships can also exist on their own. Yeah. Right. Uh, That. It's important to be clear with each other in the couple and also to be clear with this new third person that it's like, hey, you know what? If you also want to hang out with this person on your own, that's cool. And if you want to hang out with this person on your own, that's cool. We're also going to hang out on our own, too, <laughs> right? That that those things are all okay. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the opposite approach to getting to the same sort of triad situation, though, mm-hmm. where each relationship has autonomy and it's not one person who's kind of at the mercy of another relationship. Yeah. It's just a different access point. But I do feel but like it is possible. they're all valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think they definitely are. I think, and- I think a long time ago on an episode, like like a year ago, we uh-huh. said that, that like the true test was that if you could, if you as a couple could convince Dedeker to be your third, you can convince <laughs> right. anybody. That's true. <laughs> um, That's and I've true. yet, I've yet to be convinced. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well. Well. <laughs> Challenge to you guys. <laughs> Try to rope Dedeker. Yes. Um, so we talked a lot about as a couple, as the established couple, trying to figure out your personal boundaries, your personal needs, why you would want to enter into this relationship. But obviously 
obviously that's really important as the third person as well to figure out your own boundaries regarding this relationship that you're entering into. Mm-hmm. So some examples of that we just kind of touched on. I expect fluidity in this relationship. I know that it's going to change. I know that it's going to breathe and live as its own thing. And it may I may become more interested in one person than the other. One relationship may tend to escalate further or faster than the other one. That should be okay. Um, and I don't want to be a go-between in your relationship. Like he said, she said, when you're out on a date with someone, I don't want to be that person trying to figure out things you know, within the relationship. Um, also, I want to have autonomy in my relationships. I, I want to be able to have meaning outside of this relationship to you. I want to be able to have an established relationship with each of you. Those are just some examples of boundaries that you may have as a third person. I think I would argue as a third, if you are someone who is open to dating a couple, that it's probably the most important for you as the third to be clear on what your boundaries are. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and that like, is and not what, talked about a lot. Yeah, it's not a thing that one yeah. thinks of. But figuring out like what you will and won't tolerate. Like, am I okay being in a relationship where you don't talk about me to anybody? Yeah. <laughs> am I okay being mm-hmm. in a relationship where... Um, like, I'm never going to meet your family. Yeah. Am I okay being in a relationship where I'm never going to go on vacation with you? And yet, there, like, of course, there are some people who are okay with that. Um, but if you're not, you know, the tendency is to, you know, the third for the sake of just wanting to get something from the couple, some energy, some time, some affection, will be really willing to compromise yeah. mm-hmm. on what it is that they're willing to tolerate. Um, so it's so important to be able to be clear on what it is that your own boundaries are and what it is that you will and will not Put up with essentially and what are deal breakers yes yeah. yeah and i think part of this is because like we said as this third a lot of the time you weren't even looking for it i know some people will seek that out specifically but a lot of people it's just like hey you know i'm just hanging out as this fun bisexual person uh, <laughs> in the that's world you, that's here i am doing my bisexual dance uh, it would be nice if people oh um you know could identify in that I know. way i would make things Please a lot easier unicorn head back on yeah right um so you know they're they're doing their thing and then this couple comes up and it's like hey we're a couple you want to date the two of us and they're like oh god i never thought about that but that seems like everything i want great i'll do it without it's, you know, if you're not seeking it you're not going to put a lot of that thought into what are my boundaries what are my deal breakers what are the things not only you know what do I want but what do I need mm-hmm. like what are the things that if I don't get this it's like well sorry I can't be in this relationship because mm-hmm. no. uh, we don't think about it no yeah. So, so what are we going to do for the third? Yeah, so we're going to bring it down to brass tacks. Yes. Like, what can the couple do or what can they convey to, like, really make sure that the third feels safe mm-hmm. and empowered and autonomous in this relationship? Yes. So for this, we wanted to come up with a list of things that you and your partner, if you're considering having a, a third person in your relationship. And I'm trying to avoid calling them a third mm-hmm. because that term is also like saying our girlfriend kind of makes them seem peripheral, right? That they're kind of owned by the others. But by adding a third person to your relationship, um, that kind of having this list of things that we need to be sure that the two of us are cool with giving to them and that we're okay with the relationship, you know, being this way. And then also to communicate to them. Because it's one thing to say, like, yeah, we're cool. We're not going to do those things to them. But if they don't know, they might, like I did in that situation, put that on themselves. Yeah. And eliminate themselves from a relationship or put the blame on themselves without you even doing it. So it is really important to, to communicate this to them as well as being clear on this for yourselves in the established relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, And so I do want to give a quick shout out to the Secondary Bill of Rights, Uh, yes, which is by Franklin Vaux. Has anyone here read that or or heard of it? And like, I'm curious. Yeah, Yeah. it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this thing that uh, Franklin Vaux and one of his partners back in the early 2000s, late 90s, sometime around then, they came up with this thing called the Secondary's Bill of Rights. Uh, and this is not about triads or you know threesomes specifically. This is just about if you have a primary relationship and then you can date other people and you think of them as your secondary partners. 
what are the rights that that secondary partner should have? And it's things like the right to privacy or the right to um, be able to have their own relationship or the right to be wanted by everyone in the relationship and not be just tolerated by somebody. Mm -hmm. Things like that, that even if they're going to be secondary, they should at least have these rights. So we did pull some things from that uh, and tried to find the ones that applied the most to this Mm -hmm. kind of triad dynamic. Yeah. and then also the relationship bill of rights is related yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, you know, I think, you know, if we're talking about rights, I think unicorns should have the rights, like you were saying, the right to be able to have separate autonomous relationships with both mm-hmm. people and the couple, if, if they want that, mm-hmm. um, that they should have the right to be able to communicate separately with both halves of the couple. Um, and going along with that is also, I think, the right to privacy. Mm-hmm. And that's a really actually surprisingly difficult one to honor because if you are an established couple you're probably used to sharing everything with each other and Mm -hmm. uh, positive negative gossipy or not (laughs) you know um, and not really realizing oh we may be violating the privacy you know maybe this person person. has shared something in confidence Mm -hmm. they only feel comfortable sharing with this one person but we've shared it Um, I I love that quote from you me her for those of you who listen to our poly in in television and film Mm -hmm. uh, television and movies Mm -hmm. sorry uh, that they were talking, you know, the, the third was like, were you guys talking behind my back? And she's like, well, we're married. We're always talking behind the whole world's back, right? <laughs> like that idea that somehow that's okay. That because you're married, anything one of you knows, the other gets to know. Mm-hmm. That that might not necessarily be true yeah. when respecting the privacy of this third person. Yeah, absolutely. And we would suggest with that over communicating about it. Because mm-hmm. maybe you could say like, well, okay, I'll just tell this this third person like hey we're going to talk about everything so just like keep that in mind but I'd say if you're talking about something especially if it is something heavy right if they're talking to you about some traumatic experience that they had in the past or something very private about their family or something like that to ask ask before you tell rather than (laughs) later but say hey like is is this is it okay if I talk to Jen my wife about that? I, th- mm. I now have a wife named Jen. <laughs> <laughs> and a girlfriend Jeez, named Rachel. <laughs> Who are these people These that you're talking about? Right? Oh my god. <laughs> my whole polycule is imaginary. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that explains uh, right. so much. <laughs> uh, right, like, is it okay if I talk to Jen about this? Or this seems really serious. Have you talked to her about it already? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Right, something like that. And then I would say also... If you're sharing something with them or, or with your partner or whoever, if it is something you do want to be private, kind of think about that and be like, oh, hey, like, just, you know, like, don't don't share this with the other person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's something about them, you're entering some dicey territory. But if it's just something about you personally, then like, hey, don't share that with this other person yet. Maybe yeah. I, I'm not ready to talk to them about it yet. Yeah. But, like, over-communicate rather than under-communicate and, and hurt someone's feelings or be hurt yeah. later on. And then relationships don't have to be equal. Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. is a right that, like, you... Um, because also a very common unicorn hunter expectation is we're going to find somebody and she needs to be equally attracted to both of us. Yeah, and that the relationships with both people are just going to go on the same trajectory and mm-hmm. you're going to equally be interested in them at the same time. Yeah. But that's not necessarily going to happen and yeah. that has to be okay. Yeah, so kind of the right to to what? To be able to, I don't know, be a human being and just be yeah. attracted to who you're attracted to, yeah. you know, regardless of what somebody decides for you. And you're going to do your best to meet everyone's needs, but it's not going to necessarily mm-hmm. always go how you initially expected it to. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And I would say for people who've been polyamorous for a while, might have a better understanding of this than someone who's new to it. But if you do have a number of relationships that last a long time, you do see that they kind of ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. I might become a lot closer and more intimate with this partner for a while, and then we might grow a little more distant, and then we might become closer again later on. That Mm -hmm. things can ebb and flow and change over time, and that if you're dating this couple, that understanding that could happen, and it's not necessarily going to happen with both of them at the same Mm -hmm. rate. Yeah. Right. And I think I think related to that, I think another right that a unicorn should have is the ability to date whoever they want. Yeah, that's also outside another, of the relationship, outside for sure. of that couple, that they should, if they want to have an autonomous dating life, 
that that should be guaranteed to them. Absolutely. Um, you know, of course, you know, polyfidelity is the term that we use for if there's a group of people, you know, if it's a relationship of more than two people who want to qu- close their relationship mm-hmm. so you can only engage sexually or romantically with the people within that group. Um, if all the people in that group or that tribe decide that, great. Um, but it shouldn't be just automatic. It shouldn't be imposed. Yeah, it shouldn't be like exactly. the terms of being with us is that you need to be you only, need to be with, only us. with us. Yes. Um, I would also say it's not something to rush into. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so if the couple has an issue, it's not automatically going to be the third spot. Yeah, that's another mm-hmm. one. Yes. Yeah. And that's one that, that may be even more important to make sure the third knows that than it is for the two of you because you might already know that like if you've got an issue over something like you might know that's your own thing to work on yeah but they might not so it's or if you like need time to work on something it's not blaming the other partner right or saying like we're not going to see you right now because we need to work Mm -hmm. something out yeah Yeah. Yeah. um i I do want to also say that in addition to being able to have uh, each of those relationships exist on their own. The two things, it's important that they can also hang out separately with them. I know yeah. we touched on that yeah, briefly earlier, that, yeah. but I wanted to make sure this is in this section of these kind of key things to agree on. And that also, even that communicating separately is okay. Yeah. So say you have like a group text conversation or a group Facebook conversation with the three of you, mm-hmm. that everyone knows right up front and I think it's better to be clear about this than to just kind of do it and hope for the best but to say hey also the two of us are going to have our own thread and these two are going to have theirs and we already have ours because we've been in a relationship for a while but just to be clear that like you can't only talk to me in the presence of this other person Mm -hmm. right whether it's digitally or in person yeah Um, and I think the last one, obviously there's there's many more than what we've come up with for just this episode, but kind of the really big one is that all parties, the unicorn, both halves of the couple, all parties have the right to be involved in any in a discussion about any decision that affects them. No. Um, so as in, if the couple's going to make a decision like having a baby, like moving to another town, like changing the structure of their relationship, anything that's going to affect the unicorn, that the unicorn has the right to at least be present for that discussion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, maybe it doesn't mean that automatically, you know, if you've been dating this person for a week, it doesn't mean that they get equal say in where to buy a house. No, you will not move. (laughs) Um, But they need to be brought into that. Mm -hmm. You know, they need to be Mm -hmm. not kept in the dark. Um, and not and just told later on, like, oh, yes. by the way, oh, by the way. Our relationships we're bouncing. Yeah. We're yeah. Yeah. And that's a general, generally a good rule for polyamory in general, for mm-hmm. any kind of relationship structure where you have multiple partners, is that, mm-hmm. you know, if a decision is going to affect someone, they need to be brought into that discussion. Um, mm-hmm. And they need to be made aware of that. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, um, you know, we've laid out our list of rights and and the things that we think are, you know, the, the correct or proper ways to be a good, healthy communicator, a good, healthy relationship, a good, healthy unicorn hunter, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, it's important to just be kind and curious, or courteous. Or and curious. curious. That's good, too. Curious, too. Um, Curiosity. You know, make the choice to over-communicate rather than under-communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of make the choice to be a little bit more compassionate passionate for another person's feelings rather than less mm-hmm. um, I, I always tell people just to choose trust over fear yeah. which is mm-hmm. so much easier said than done um, mm-hmm. but I think that it is a good kind of general guiding light to have whenever you're exploring something new mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like as a, as a personal example of this in terms of sort of what your rules are or kind of what's you know what these rights are versus what's courteous and kind is say it is okay for you to to hang out separately that you don't all three have to hang out at the same time if you are going to hang out with one person without the other to let them know to let them know in advance ideally or like oh hey we have some free lunch time we're going to get together right now uh, and that's something that I've made the mistake of not doing that before and being like mm-hmm. well what like that's allowed right like that's fine mm-hmm. but I wasn't being courteous about yeah. it I wasn't being kind about it and saying yeah. like hey you know what I'm not going to let you know because I have to, but I'm going to let you know because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Because it's the kind thing to do. Yeah. And um, it's the kind of thing, especially if it's a tried relationship that lasts many, many years. I, mm-hmm. I think eventually you may, it gets may be able easier, to do maybe. it with being able to like let everybody know every time someone's hanging out. But, right. But especially kind of when things are new, it's it's good to 
to kind of mm-hmm. yeah, just make sure to keep everyone in the loop. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. The, okay. My favorite phrase um, <laughs> is don't tie your shoes in a watermelon field. Does anyone know what that means? Okay, well, because they've listened to this. We know that you know. <laughs> um, so where it comes time. from is the idea that if you're walking in a watermelon field and you bend down to tie your shoes, you're just tying your shoes, but to the farmer who's half a mile away, it looks like you're stealing a watermelon. And he's going to get his gun out. <laughs> and, and kill you. And kill you. <laughs> maybe not kill you, but well. maybe stick the dogs on you or something like right. that. And so it's kind of like... Um, Err on the side of being more open, mm-hmm. more honest, more truthful, rather than less. less um, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. even if you're not doing something wrong, just to even avoid the appearance of doing something wrong or something mm-hmm. underhanded. Yeah, yeah, it's a good guideline. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, is that everything we wanted to talk about? I'm I sure think they're so. probably sick of us by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, as you guys know, this is our second to last show on our tour. Yeah. We're doing a show in San Diego in early March. Um, we're also going to be at the Infinite Love Retreat this weekend, Woo! which we're super, super excited about. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, as Scott mentioned, uh, I did write a book um, that just came out like a week and a half ago called The Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory. It's phenomenal. Um, they think it's phenomenal. <laughs> yes, I do. Anyway. Agreed. I'm, we, got, we got some second opinions okay, out yeah, here. Yeah. Thank yeah. God. Okay, thank God. Um, <laughs> As a published author, I'm very happy to sign any copies that you may want to purchase this evening. They're available for purchase in the same place where you buy the wine. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do they need to know? Uh, they need to know, oh, that we are on the interwebs. Uh, if yes, you go to multiamory.com or search for us on iTunes or pretty much just type multiamory into a browser, you will end up finding us somehow or another on Twitter or Reddit or Facebook or all those things. Yes. Uh, so you can find us there. Check out all our cool stuff. Also, uh, thank you to my beautiful bedmate for most of the tour, Paul. Where is Paul? Paul! Oh, oh there he is. In the, oh, in the there door. he is. Oh, Paul. Yes. Paul has been just unbelievably fabulous on the entire tour. He has uh, helped us sell things. He has kept us sane. He's bought us caffeine. Yes, he is wonderful. And also to Molly, who helped out this evening. There you are, Molly. Yes. Thank you so much. You're wonderful, both of you. Thank you for coming to help out with this show as well, yes. Molly. Uh, and then we also wanted to thank Theater Unleashed for letting us use this venue. Uh, and this cabin. This beautiful cabin. If you guys do enjoy, you know, 99th Seat Theater in Los Angeles, they're doing their show right now, which is called Cannibals Alone. It's an all-female cast about cannibals out in, uh, out in the cabin, right? And also, I'm awesome. in a show March 4th called Company in Santa Monica. Sorry, it's far away. <laughs> Come see it. All right, that's it. Thank right. you, Los Angeles. Thank you, Los Angeles.